The Joe Beaver Show is on the air. 22. What do you mean? 22. After all the uncertainties of the past two years, there's been an expectation and a hope for a more normal 22-23. But now the question is... USC and UCLA do. They're both Big Ten schools. Yeah. But where does that leave the rest of us? Who could possibly answer that question in this strange new era of analytics? Mad transfers. How did it get here? Well, it looks to me like you portaled it. Oh, what? You know, portal from wherever you were to here. What's that? It's a, a different kind of portal. Oh, it's just changed so radically, and we're all running to catch up. And realignments. They both big ten schools. Yeah. All we do know is the boys are back. And the Joe Beaver Show plots its own course. Now there are a few more topics that we have to cover. And we will not talk about transfers, and we will not talk about my mother. We will talk about what I want to talk about. Fair enough. Who's next? Who's next? Who's next? Joe Beaver is on 1240 Joe Radio. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning, and welcome to another edition of The Joe Beaver Show. I'm John Warren, along with T.J. Matthewson, for the final time this week. Are we good to go, right? by the way? Yeah, we're good to go. I think you need yeah. to turn up the headphone dial over oh, there. Yeah. There we there go. We go. Yeah. Oh, magical. Um, tomorrow you'll go solo, and then Friday we'll have a, a best of, as I'm heading down to Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to get to our first guest right out of the shoot. Oregon State wrestling coach Chris Pendleton will, is joining us now from... Uh, from New Orleans, in fact, Coach. Isn't that right? Yes, sir. We're out here in the, the Big Easy. And Coach Pendleton joining us here on the, the show. We appreciate you joining us, Coach. Uh, so a, a tough outing there at Penn State, although, you know, the score represented didn't uh, didn't fare very well for the Beavs. But I guess in, in terms of what you saw there on the road, what have you seen from your uh, program here early? You know, it was uh, anytime you're you're wrestling the defending nine-time national champions. Uh, you know, you got a tough uh, tough hill to climb, but we really were excited as a staff because we got to put in a lot of our young wrestlers and the way that they approached the match. They didn't uh, they weren't intimidated. They didn't back down. They took the fight to them, and we lost a lot of just one point one takedown matches that show us that we're on the right track on progressing. You know, our biggest thing as a staff is we always kind of stress that it's a very, very long season, and we have to continue to get better. And there's no better way to do that than going and wrestling a great team that can expose a lot of your flaws. And we've gone straight from Penn State now to um, New Orleans, and we've gotten to have a, take advantage of the holiday break where we can sit down and do a lot more one-on-ones, really dive into the deeper uh, aspects of technique and crawl inside the guys' heads and help uh, help get them better. So what do you got coming up here on Monday? Uh, we have the national duels. Um, you know, one of the things, we wrestle a very ambitious schedule. With um, uh, We just finished with the number one team. We have the number five team in Iowa State and then the number, I think, 16 in Cornell in the country that we're going to hit back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. Um, and that starts Monday. 
So we hear a lot of, uh, you know, I, I know most programs here in college every four years get to take sort of that international trip as sort of a team bonding trip. Is that, you know, sort of a mini version of this, you know, getting to spend a little bit of time together on the road uh, in, in a different state while, while preparing uh, and looking ahead uh, as an opportunity to, to get more of that bonding going? It, it, it was a little of that, a little of the, um, you know, we were always trying to be uh, conscious of, uh, you know, our budget and how our athletes' bodies are. It just didn't make a lot of sense to me to wrestle on a Sunday, fly back, uh, take a whole day travel on Monday, mandatory NCAA day off on Tuesday, have a couple days of training, and then fly back to the East Coast. And with the finals uh, wrapping up last week and uh, all of our grades coming in, we felt that it was a great opportunity to to work on that team chemistry and the team bonding and come down here. And, uh, you know, wrestling can be a little bit of a, a grueling sport. So coming down and letting the kids eat some good food, and I think they're going to go to, like, a gator farm tomorrow and, and grow, <laughs> uh, grow as human beings, see some culture. Are you going to let anyone wrestle a gator? <laughs> Just the assistant coaches. <laughs> Just, yeah, there you go. There you go. Chris Pendleton, our, our guest here on the Joe Beaver Show, uh, third-year coach. What was it like to, to wrestle at Penn State? Top program. Were they packed and were they just rabid fans? What was the atmosphere like? Uh, it, was a, it was an intense atmosphere. Um, I think uh, uh, the coaching staff, and um, it was one of the things that I, 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 I took a lot of pride in, that a lot of the fans, even though they are rabid and they wanted their team to beat us, um, they were very respectful, and uh, you know I've been on the other side where those fans that gym haven't been respectful. <laughs> but I think that they uh, they like what they see from our program. They know we're a program on the rise, and um, we want to keep putting our kids into those big game day atmospheres. So then, when we're in those at the end of the year, it's not a scary sight. You know, one of the things we talk to the kids about is when you grow up, and no matter what sport you play. You know, and you're out there shooting a basketball, you're not envisioning beating like a, a, a lower tier team. You're, you're envisioning beating the Lakers. You know, if you're, you're, you're a football player, you're, you're thinking about Alabama, you know, mm-hmm. beating them in a national championship game. And for us, we want that. We want to, you know, kind of put that energy out of the universe and say, hey, you want to beat these guys. Let's go wrestle now. And I think what happens is you start figuring out that they're just human beings and that. You're pretty good yourself, and you can compete. We talked to you in your first year, and the schedule wasn't great. There was a lot of road matches and not much at home, and you had said, no, this is just because of X, Y, Z. We're going to bring in more big big teams, get more home and homes, and have more more home matches. Do you feel like you're in that rotation now here as you enter year three, or is there more to go to get there? No, no. I, I think I think we're we're in that rotation now. Um, uh, Penn State's going to be coming to Corvallis next year, and then this year uh, we're having you know our first marquee big duel on, on the three years that we the staff has been here. We're having Oklahoma State in. We're actually going to put uh, elevated stage in Gill for the first time in Gill's history, and we're looking at having an exciting match. Uh, you know, obviously with me being an alum of Oklahoma State and the head coach was my college coach. It means a little bit more to me on a personal level. Um, you know, I met John Smith in 1994 at a, a wrestling camp. The first time that my first varsity win when I was at Oklahoma State was against Oregon State. The last time Oklahoma State was in Oregon was actually my junior year, junior, senior year of college. 
So I think there's a lot of great storylines, and there's two really good teams that are going to put on a great show, and I hope a lot of people come out and support Really good storylines there. I want to uh, just go back to the elevated stage. Is that um, is that a, a cost issue, or is it something that you just you can't do very often because of rules? Or what's the situation with an elevated stage, uh, Matt? Um, you know, I think I think it's just something that uh, a lot of people just haven't seen outside of the NCAA tournament, mm. and I think it just uh, adds a little bit more. Um, um, of a unique experience for the wrestlers and the fans. Um, it, it, it isn't cheap. Uh, I can tell you that right now. But it is something that we and the school has been absolutely amazing about giving us this weekend to really promote, to really put the stage out. I think it goes out on Friday and we wrestle on Sunday. And to really show the Oregon wrestling community and the Oregon, uh, this athletic community, that we have a great product to, to sell. And I think when people come out and they have a great fan experience, they're more likely to come back again. Chris Pendleton joining us here on the Joe Beaver Show. Taking a look at your roster, Coach, a a pretty young roster. I counted before. Let me know if I have the right number. I think 25 underclassmen on your roster. Is that right? Um, geez, uh, that's actually a good question. I, I didn't know it was 25. It wouldn't shock me. Um, just because if you look at the timing with the extra COVID year, everything that we had is when we inherited this team, we had a lot of guys in that sophomore junior range. So now you're just kind of starting to see, you know, the graduation with Devin Turner, Gary Traub, Corey Crooks, the Willett brothers, Lane Stiggle. I mean, we graduated quite a bit of kids. So, um, we have some of the, uh, uh, the best recruiters in the country uh, with uh, Josh Roden, Nate Engel, and Corey Crooks that love going out and making those connections with uh, uh, student-athletes. And they've been, you know, we've been, we've been beating the pavement trying to uh, make sure that we have the uh, best team possible. How has it been having them on the staff? Oh, it's been awesome, you know, uh, um, uh, bringing, bringing both of them in. Uh, you know, Corey, uh, I, I kind of joke, I knew Corey before Corey was even a, a person. Uh, I've <laughs> known his dad back since uh, 2003. He was, a, he was a wrestling coach, is a wrestling coach, and I knew Corey would always have that gift to be a great coach one day, and it was a priority of mine after he graduated last year to retain him and keep him around. And then Josh Roden, you know, he's been right down the road up there, uh, won five national titles at Clackamas, and I think he's kind of, you know, we recruited him two times in a row where it's like, what else can you do at this level? You're made for Division One. You can be a great Division One head coach one day. And luckily, you know, he talked his wife into letting him roll the dice, and it's been great having him, uh, having him uh, be a part of the program. Oh, that's awesome. Chris Pendleton joining us here on the Joe Beaver Show, wrestling with a little bit of downtime in New Orleans uh, where you, you get a break and, the, and the, the, the athletes can get together and do some bonding and also some studying and a few things like that. Tell us, let's, let's talk about your roster now. Is Kaler and Olquin, are those two, you, you expect them to be the leaders throughout? Um, Brandon Kaler? Yeah. Uh, Brandon Kaler, you know, he's our returning All-American. Yep. Um, he's been one of the guys that, you know, it's he, he's growing into a leadership role um, where it's kind of funny because he's been the young kid for so long, and he's had guys like Devin and the Willett twins that have been the leaders. Well, now they're gone. Now it's his time to step up. And um, one of the things that I am so proud about uh, of Brandon about is he's learning how to communicate with his teammates in that leadership way. 
where it's really easy to, you know, yell at somebody that they're not going hard enough at the sprint. Well, how do you get that kid to go harder? How do you get him to live the lifestyle like you're living? How do you get him to emulate what you are? And Brandon's done a great job of that. Um, and then we have a couple other guys, uh, some older guys like uh, Tanner Harvey. Uh, Tanner's uh, kind of the grandpa on the team. He's a uh, grad transfer, uh, a wife, three kids that are currently in Corvallis. So a big shout out to Crystal for letting her husband go on a long road trip. I, I, I feel your pain completely. Um, and then Matt Olguin has been a guy that has steadily just gotten better and better and better. And he's one of the guys that we're looking for to make a podium run at the end of the year. Chris Pendleton joining us here on the Joe Beaver Show. Anyone that, you mentioned a couple names there. Anyone else there that you want to highlight that you think fans, when they come out here at the beginning of January, uh, Sunday, January 8th, 12 o'clock for Oklahoma State, that you're gonna we're going to see up there on that, that elevated mat that you want fans to pay attention to? Um, I got two uh, two of our new uh, new incomers. Um, Cleveland Belton has started the season not ranked in the top fifty, and he's climbed to about a you know I think a, he's in that fifteen to twenty range. Uh, multiple national uh, national um, ranked wins against people, and then Jason Shainer, who uh, Jason had actually won the wrestle off against Devin Turner, who was All American last year, until he broke his collarbone in um, probably around this time of year last year. Jason right now has. Uh, two top 10 wins and three top 15 wins. And he's one of the guys that we always kind of have to, you know, uh, I, not pout, but I cross my arms and scratch my head a little bit where I'm like, he has all these wins. Why is he not ranked much higher? Yeah. But Jason has finally uh, cracked into the top 15 for the first time in his career. And he's a guy that uh, he's already leading the nation in matches. He's uh, He has about 18 or 19 matches wrestled so far. And he's a guy that, Every time he steps out, you just see him get a little bit better, a little bit better. If there is somebody that's going to jump into the swamp and wrestle an alligator, it's, it's Jason Shaner, our 133 pounder. He he's he's wired a little bit differently. Is heavyweight still the one that everybody you know gets excited about, or has wrestling changed over the years to where if you've got an all American, you know? top five guy no matter what the weight class that will garner all the attention because it seemed like in the old days it was all about the heavyweight well you know oregon state has such a deep deep tradition of heavyweights i actually just got an email today um we got to start we got we got to circle the wagons and uh rally uh we need to get jess lewis into the, the hall of fame Oh yeah, he's got to get Jeff Lewis in the Hall of Fame. I, I don't think he made it the cut this year, and so that's going to be one of my missions for next year is beating that drum. But between Jeff Lewis, uh, Larry Ballenberg, and uh, Armand Desi, Oregon State has such a huge tradition at heavyweight. Why people get excited about heavyweight is the match usually starts at 125 and ends at uh, 285 heavyweight. So I'm a traditionalist. If it's ever up to me, because for dual meets now, coaches can um, we can pick what weight we want to start at. I'm a traditionalist. I like starting at 125 and letting the big boys yeah. decide matches. So I think that's where we get a little bit of that excitement from. I'll give a shameless plug like I always do when we have you on. My father-in-law, Art McKinster, was a heavyweight in the mid-60s, and he didn't win the Pac-8 championship, but he did win the national championship in AAU, wearing an Oregon State singlet with Dale Thomas by his side. So 
Uh, it's kind of quiet on that one, but he was, he's a great man. <laughs> and, and, and I try, I'm trying to get him to come down for a wrestling match because my wife and I were at a couple of events this last year and it was great. I loved it. The band, the cheerleaders, are you, are you thinking of doing anything different this year? Because it was clearly ramped up from years past. Oh, we're, 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 we're going a, a step ahead and I want to encourage people. Don't wait till the last minute right now. We've already sold a couple thousand tickets, mm. and we're still a, a shade under a month away. Yeah, get out there, buy your tickets. Get out there, buy your tickets because I'm looking. Uh, we're looking at this as we're, our goal as a staff is to try to sell uh, sell go out and wrestling for the first time in history. Coach, last thing: Have you in your you're in your third year now, but but your your short experiences and then coming here maybe as a competitor or a coach uh, opposing coach. With your experience and the the equipment, but the reaction to the fans and things like that, would you say that Corvallis is a good wrestling town? Oh, it's an amazing wrestling town. Or, or I wouldn't, I wouldn't have uh, 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 sought out this job. I, I knew this was a wrestling community. I knew this was a wrestling town that has a deep, deep tradition. We just have to give them a good product. Is the first thing. And I know our staff and our athletes have been working tirelessly. To do that, we got first thing first. You got to have a good product. You got to go out there and win. You got to have an exciting style. And I think we're getting there. I think we're I think we're at a place now where we uh, we go out there. We we score points. Uh, there's we don't like wrestling dull matches. We like to get people on their feet. Um, chase uh, chase the pin. Chase mm-hmm. the takedown. Chase the hard fights. So. I, I encourage everybody coming out. Love it. Hey, we always appreciate you coming on. Love talking about your program. Best of luck in New Orleans and, and this downtime as well. Thanks, Coach, for coming on with us today. Thank you guys for having me. Now you got it. That's Chris Pendleton, Oregon State Wrestling, starting his third year. And it was so fun. That the, the energy in the gym is unlike anything else. And it'll probably be set a new standard. On January 8th, I would imagine. Right, Oklahoma State. It's going to be great. Hosting your alma mater with your your coach coach (laughs) coming to your program for the first time and 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 since you you wrestled. And a top top program, a big-name Blue Blood program coming to your gymnasium. Right. I did like the Gator Farm reference, though, because people do wrestle Gators. I know. The people are insane. (laughs) And you would say, well, it's some good training if you want to just get out there and, you know, well, you don't want it to bite you. You better get low on it, right? You better you better grab it in the right spot. See, gators, gators want to twist. They want to twist you. Right. That's how they get you, and they twist. So that would be good for whatever move that is in wrestling. Right. It would be good to counter-twist because if yeah. a guy get, gets you down on the mat, then you know you want to twist out of it, and you just can, like you twist out of a gator right. on top so of you. So you can learn from the gator if you if you live to tell the tale. <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, I thought that, that was good. That's a good that's a good activity. I'd like to go to a gator forum. That'd yeah, be fun. yeah. Really, really appreciate coach uh, for coming on today. They've got some downtime. Their next uh, activity is Monday, right? Yes. Yeah, that's Monday. Coming. Iowa State and Cornell. That's uh, those are to, uh, Iowa State. I know good program, and um, you know. Chris, is, he told us two years ago, I, w- I want to wrestle the best. And they have a whole string of top 25 teams that, uh, that they're, they're going up against and have already so far this year mm-hmm. where they have a 2-2 two and two record. Not, ju- and not just Oklahoma State. A couple of really mentors for Chris Pendleton coming to Corvallis this year. Oklahoma State and then Arizona State where he worked at last yeah. under Zeke Jones. Yeah, yeah. So two, you know, two sort of the steps of his career coming here to see his program. And when he promises, like, hey, 2022, 2023, that's when we're going to get people to come here 
and people are going to get to watch and really appreciate what it is. You know, I was going to take a break, but we have a few minutes. Let's wait and then mm-hmm. take it and then transition into our next guest, who is... John Sassenti, the executive director of the Las Vegas Bowl. Do you know that that's how he pronounces his name? It is. Exa- that it was, so I emailed the, the, uh, Mark Wallington, the, yeah. the media coordinator, and he sent me the pronunciation. Very nice, because um, I know that name, Wallington. Somehow I got on the, the mailing list. So did I. And did you notice uh, he emailed the um, basically the the media guide, and I printed it out. I actually printed it out at home. Holy moly! Sixty nine pages. <laughs> Look at that thing. I was in my office, and Kim was downstairs, and I texted her and I said, "Can we afford to print sixty nine pages?" And she just wrote back, "Yes." So I hit print. And, Look at uh, all that colored ink, too. I know. Wow. But we have one of those new Epsons with has where it's like little little things of. They're not cartridges, mm-hmm. and you pour the ink in, and it's, uh, I, I'm telling you, it's I'm, a quick little commercial for Epson printers. It was great. Anyway, everything you ever wanted to know is in here, yeah. <laughs> including information about both Oregon State and Florida. Yeah. Um, rosters, coaches, uh, profiles, things like that. But Is that going to be your plain reading? Uh, yeah, yeah. Everything everything you want. And I, I, there's no stapler to staple this because it's too thick. So I have one of those... Um, uh, springy type fasteners, of yeah. fasteners that yeah. uh, opens and closes. But my goodness, it is. And in fact, here's his his bio. John Sassente, now in his uh, third decade. Wow, he doesn't look old enough to be in his third decade <laughs> of uh, as a member of the ever expanding Las Vegas sports community. John Sassente. In 2014, was named by ESPN to serve as executive director of the Las Vegas Bowl, and ESPN events owned and operated bowl games. So this is all ESPN, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of them are. Sassenti, yeah. Also serves as executive director of the recently launched Vegas Kickoff Classic, and ESPN events owned early season football matchup that pits nationally known programs. Who, who was mm-hmm. it this year, do you know? For what? Uh, for that kickoff classic. Oh, uh, I don't know if there's uh, one this year, but there is one in 2024. USC and LSU in 2024. Yeah, what, the, to, to usher in USC's yeah. era in the Big Ten. Yeah, yeah. Uh, during his tenure at the Vegas Bowl, he recently helped usher in a partnership with three powerhouse leagues that span coast to coast. So he's behind getting mm-hmm. the SEC and the Big Ten with us. That's mm-hmm. great news. All right, well, we'll uh, take a break here in just a minute and get him on. And uh, talk see, about the bowl game. Yeah, and, see how that came together and how, you know, at what point was the idea planted, hey, let's let's make this thing, this, let's make this a bigger thing. Yeah. Let's make this Vegas Bowl more than what it is. Exactly. And, um, yeah, I can't wait. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. Well, all right, we'll take a break, come back, get him on, and talk about the bowl game and how it was put together. Uh, they must have just been over the moon when they heard that, Vegas was going to bring in the Raiders mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and build a stadium for them because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Sam Boyd Stadium is where the bowl previously had been held. And that's out in the desert in a wind tunnel. Not a bad stadium. It's just not a Legion Stadium next, no. next to the Strip. Can't walk there from the Strip. All right, we'll take a break. Our thanks to Chris Pendleton for helping us open the program today here on this Wednesday. TJ goes solo tomorrow, and I'll be. we'll have a best of on Friday as we uh, work this week through to Saturday's bowl game against Florida at 11.30, Saturday morning right here on 1240 Joe Radio. At Albans Plumbing, we're boring. 
Hi, I'm Katie Albin, and I want everyone to know that at Albin's Plumbing, we're boring. Directional boring, to be exact. So if you need to run a pipe underground, under a driveway, or under a sidewalk, and you don't want to destroy your yard in the process, the boring people at Albin's Plumbing can help you with your directional boring. Just give us a call. At Albin's Plumbing, plumbing's all we do. Call 754-8282, Albin's Plumbing. Unified Insurance Group is your local independent insurance agency in Corvallis. They represent numerous insurance companies and specialize in auto, home, and business insurance. See Mike Eves, Taylor Starr, and Tom Worth. They'll help find an insurance plan that works best for you. If you're looking for auto, home, or business insurance, see the Unified Insurance Group, 320 Southwest 3rd Street in downtown Corvallis. They're your hometown team, always putting you first. Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation change? Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Ewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. When we work together, we'll focus on what's important to you. We'll use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And we'll partner to help your strategy stay on track. Contact me today. 541-758-8245. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Have you been putting off that remodeling project? Have you finally decided to take a leap and get it done? For over 30 years, people in the Mid-Valley have been going to Corvallis Floor Covering. Stop by and browse through their large showroom with a wide variety of carpet, countertops, wood and vinyl flooring, and window coverings from all the popular brands that you know, love, and gotta have. They're on the corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown or log on to CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local, shop Corvallis Floor Covering and go Beeves. We continue here on the Joe Beaver Show on this beautiful Wednesday morning before the Las Vegas Bowl coming up this weekend. A morning game that was going to be an afternoon game. It had to be moved. It all worked out. We still get the A-team from ESPN, Dave Pash, Kirk Herbstreet, Pat McAfee, and Lauren, uh, Laura Rutledge, whom we had on yesterday. Now, today, TJ did a job of, did a good job of uh, chasing down John Sassenti, the Las Vegas Bowl executive director. And we always try to get some official person on. If the Beavers go to a bowl game, we did it last year, and here we are in year number two, John. Thanks for uh, taking time out for us today to break it down and tell us all about your bowl. How's everything going so far this week in bowl week for the Vegas Bowl? Well, so so far so good. Uh, you know, every, everything's been going pretty smooth. The Beavers got here on Monday, and uh, we got a chance to spend some time with them at the hotel and do their gifts and uh, get them acclimated to Southern Nevada. And you know, last night we uh, we, we we took the two coaching staffs together and um, brought them over to gave the kids a free night out on the town and and took the coaches over to Spago to have dinner on the water at the Bellagio and and we, we kind of blew their minds a little bit because. Both coaching staffs were together, and, the, and and I think every coach came up to me at one point and goes, hey, we've been to bowl games, but we usually do these dinners in the back room of a steakhouse. This is awesome. Um, so, so far, so good. We, we've got our first official team event tonight down on Fremont Street with both teams there. And so, so far, so good. We're, we're counting down the days till game day, but uh, I think everybody's having a good time so far. Were the coaches, like, mingled or on one side of each each side of the room? No, they were mingled. They were mingled. They, oh, uh, some of them know each other. Some of them have worked together or, 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 or have crossed paths before, but they were, they were definitely mingled. 
all throughout the room. We had some of our executive committee folks uh, sitting there with them, but um, they, 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 enjoyed, they enjoyed talking shop and, and hanging out together last night. Las Vegas Bowl Executive Director John Sassenti joining us here on the program. Hey, John, this is TJ here with John. I saw an In-N-Out food truck. Was that your guys' idea as well? <laughs> you know what? I, it, it was not. Um, it, 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 we, we, provided, we provide the kids with plenty of food. That one we cannot take credit for. What happened was um, the Oregon State Advance team came down here, and um, the, the first day they were here, I, 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 I arrived at the hotel at the exact same time as the Advance team, and they all came walking in with giant bags of In-N-Out. And uh, they're like, we, we, it's the first thing we're doing. And so they had the idea um, that, that to set that truck up for the kids. And, and um, it, it, it was awesome. They, they really enjoyed it, which if you've had it now before, you know exactly why they're enjoying that. But we can't take credit for that one. The funny thing is there's an in and out 25 minutes away from here that they could go to, but it just tastes better when you go further south. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> well, I, you know, speaking of food, I thought I saw a pink truck and guys walking around with donuts. Do you have a Voodoo Donuts down there, or was that something set up from Portland? No, that was actually Pink Box Donuts, and that one we can take credit for. So when, when the teams arrived, um, we, had, uh, we had Elvis, we had our showgirls, we had the trophy there, we, we gave them some Pink Box Donuts. Uh, let them take a couple pictures and uh, had our entire uh, committee and, and, and huddle welcome them and greet them to Las Vegas. And so um, we, we, we set the donuts up after, after the flight and getting off the bus. We thought they might want a little snack. John Sassenti joining us here on the Joe Beaver Show. So, John, we're taking a look at the evolution of this bowl game. It used to be Mountain West Pac-12. Now it's a much grander event, higher up on the, bowl, uh, the Pac-12's bowl hierarchy in a nicer stadium against a Big Ten and an SEC opponent. When did all of that, all, all this sort of upgrades to this bowl sort of, uh, you know, uh, sort of snowball into effect where you looked and you saw, hey, this is a, a very real option for us and we're trending for this direction? Well, it happened when, when the rumors first started up with the stadium. And um, at that time, you know, we, listen, we, we, we always thought that this destination uh, would be the perfect place for, uh, quote-unquote, that Tier 1 game, right? We, we were pretty limited in what we could and couldn't do because we played at Samboyd Stadium. Um, it, it was out in the middle of nowhere. It was outdoors. Uh, it, was, it, was, it, it got cold at night, so we had to play during the day most of the time. But we were pretty limited in, into the amount of money we can make at that stadium because of the ticket revenue, right? And, and in order to attract the bigger, better teams and the Power Five conferences and, and where you're at the pecking order, you have to pay to get into those positions. And so we, we couldn't make the financials work when we were at Sam Boyd Stadium. When, when, when the, the conversations started happening with the stadium and we were involved in a lot of those conversations and I sat on one of those advisory groups uh, to, to study the feasibility of it and, and see when it was happening, we immediately had those conversations with the Pac-12. Uh, we started the conversations with, quite frankly, the, the, the Big Ten. Um, the SEC came to us and said, hey, we, we might be interested in coming out west too. Let's talk. And that's when we came up with this, this concept of having a three-conference uh, um, uh, alignment and rotating the Big Ten and the SEC. So the Pac-12 is our anchor conference for all six years. And we rotate the SEC and the Big Ten, uh, and that was that was designed for a number of reasons. One, it gives us a little more flexibility. We're an event town; it, it, it gets our city to see teams they don't traditionally see. But two, there, there there was a plan in place to get 
you know, three of the Power Five conferences engaged in Las Vegas and, and being in Las Vegas and, and, and coming to Las Vegas so that if the time ever did come where Las Vegas had an opportunity to take another step forward or to get involved in the college football playoff talk, we've already, we've already acclimated these folks to what our city does and how we do it. And so uh, we, we were super excited when we were able to pull that off. Um, you know, we've got a couple more years, so this is our SEC year. We, we go back to the Big Ten next year. And uh, with college football changing the way it is, we have no idea what's next. Uh, but whatever it is, we'll, we'll, we'll be there at the table and we'll be ready. Huge move. Brilliant move to, to sign those two on. No disrespect to the Mountain West, but it's, it's significantly ramped up what has always been, I thought, a potentially great, like you say, Tier 1 bowl game. You're in Vegas, and, and how fortunate you are to get somebody else to invest in a stadium that's right, that's beautiful, and right next to the Strip so that you can take advantage of that. And how look at how much has changed, John. I mean, you've been there all this time. The the Pac-12 men's tournament, women's tournament, eventually, uh, you know, uh, first in the MGM Grand, then over to T-Mobile, and then uh, you've got all these these holiday tournaments going on in December for basketball, and uh, the Pac-12 championship game for football. It's a different landscape than it was even ten years ago, isn't it? It, it 100% is, and and let's not leave out the, the Super Bowl, the Pro Bowl, and the Final Four that was just recently announced. Mm. Um, Listen, it, it has changed, right? And, and, and part of that reason is the way people view sports gambling right now, right? And, 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 and how accepted it is. We were, we were the ones pounding the table 20-some-odd years ago when there were issues with people wanting to do events here, and, and we had to show them, we had to prove them. We said, look, we are not the problem. We're not the people you should be worried about in the world of sports gambling um, and sports betting. We're the ones that, that, that find the problems, identify the problems, and, and keep it legit. And what it took was it took, it took a couple conference commissioners, it took a couple folks in the NCAA, it took a couple professional sports leagues and sports teams to come out here and see how this actually operated to go, you know what, Vegas is our friend. It, it, it is okay. We, we, they were educated into, into the fact that we keep an eye on things, we keep it monitored. We're, not, we're never going to be the problem. We're going to find the problem. And so... Once those doors were kind of opened, and, and, and again, I'm proud to say our bowl was, was at the front, you know, pounding the table and, and showing everybody that Vegas is a great place to have events. Um, and, and now we've become, to your point, the epicenter of, we've, we've always been the entertainment capital of the world. We now call ourselves the sports and entertainment capital of the world. And, and, and we're not done yet, even though we've, we've rattled off all those events that we have, uh, the, the powers that be. Uh, are not done yet. We're we're gonna keep we're gonna keep pushing forward for every major event. We got Formula One coming next year mm-hmm. uh, in November, which is going to be fantastic. Think about Formula One down the Las Vegas Strip, oh, around the Venetian, and back on. Right, like it's gonna be it's gonna be next level, the greatest Formula One race. Um, it's probably outside of Monaco. I, I got to get there. Oh. And and John, wouldn't you agree if you really wanted to go and peel the onion back a little further that it all started with a lawsuit out of uh, New Jersey? Yeah, I'm not familiar with, with well, the details. Basically, of that lawsuit. basically um, that said, that opened it up for all the states to say, okay, well, you can sports gambling and and gambling and, and and all of that can happen. And then and then <clears throat> the sports gambling was legitimized and exploded. And we're only talking a couple of years. It, it, it it's come a long way in a short amount of time, and I, I I cannot believe what's happened. And uh, and 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 again, listen. At the end of the day, and this is what everybody's been saying forever, um, you know, people are doing it, right? 
why not regulate? Why not have control of it? And, and what it does is we, we all know people were watching sports and people found sports more interesting because they, they whether it's betting with their friends or betting in Vegas or betting online, whatever it was, uh, and, and you're seeing, right, television ratings. We're, we're breaking television ratings left and right uh, in every sport because people can now get on an app, people have betting in their state, and now they're watching, they're, they're, they're truly invested, uh, literally invested in that game. Last thing, John. John Sassenti, the Las Vegas Bowl Executive Director. We hear about, and I only started hearing it this year. I mean, you felt it, but I only started hearing or seeing people putting in writing on social media, which is the death of all of us. But uh, this thing that if you're not after Christmas in a bowl game, you're not a very good bowl game. That's just not true because the Vegas Bowl is a good bowl game. But do you think that there's any need to get into that week between Christmas and New Year's? Or do you like the position that you're in? So I, I, I say to that that that's bull crap. Yeah. Uh, first of all, because yeah. uh, your your game, if you're in a world class destination and you have great teams and you're in a world class building and you take care of people, uh, we are tier one bowl game. I will tell you we and and you guys might not be familiar, but we we went post Christmas last year because because everybody kept saying that you have to be post Christmas, you have to be closer to New Year's, mm-hmm. and and we went December thirtieth last year, and and you know what we found is that's probably not our best window because of the, the destination, the city that we live in, right? You look at some of these bowl games that have to be close to New Year's. People are going there and traveling there, and, and they need that tourism in and around New Year's. Our city does not want that tourism and does not need that tourism mm. during, during New Year's. You know, the hotels are doing three-night minimums, and people are coming. I mean, 250,000 people are coming to Las Vegas uh, right around New Year's. And so... So we, we, the hotels prefer us to be pre-Christmas. Our title sponsors prefer us to be pre-Christmas. The city prefers us to be pre-Christmas. And so we found our little niche that we know we're going to be a Tier 1 game no matter what. And, and, and it took a little convincing to the conferences, but when the coaches got on board and said, wait a minute, this, this is actually not that bad. Yeah, I want to play in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, I want to make the CFP. But if I don't make that, I keep the kids on campus. I roll right into practice. We roll right into bowl week. And then I'm home for the holidays enjoying Christmas with my family and yep. watching all these other bowl games on TV. They said flat out to me, that's a tier one bowl game. We're going to a great destination. You're doing it right. And I get all these other things that come along with it. Sign me up. Yep, I so agree. I, I think that stigma is going to change a little bit more. Uh, we've heard other bowls exploring it that have destinations that, that, that touch New Year's. Um, I don't know how many of them will, but... We, we like the position we're in. We, we've tried it, but, but uh, we ended up ultimately came back to this pre-Christmas day because it works so much better for everybody in our community. Hey, John, I know John said last thing. I have one more thing. There, you know, there's a couple of days between when this airs right now and the bowl game. What are some events, uh, some things the bowl is putting on that our listeners, uh, whether they're listening right now or they listen later on the podcast form, and are heading down to Vegas can look forward to for the next couple of days, Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday before or after the game? Yeah, so, so tonight we're down on Fremont Street. We're having a little party down on Fremont Street and eating and, and uh, playing some games and, and enjoying downtown historic Las Vegas. Uh, we, we, we did some charity stuff this morning. We're going back to some charity stuff tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow night is, is show night in Vegas, and so uh, if, if they want to go to a show with the, with the two teams, we're going to take them to see Matt Franco. Uh, who who won America's Got Talent and is is a huge sports fan and incredibly talented and has a, a really entertaining show. Uh, Friday we we have a few more charity events uh, and then we have our big pep rally 
uh, that day and, and, a, and, a, and a big sports gala um, at night on Friday night uh, at the stadium. And then, uh, and, then, and then Saturday morning we start throwing a party and, and getting everybody ready to go for, uh, for kickoff. John, the Beavers so, are excited. I know that. The school is, and I know the fan base is, too. I can't wait. I'm coming down. Cannot wait for this game. And uh, just a, a great job by the Las Vegas uh, committee and your, your, your group and, and everything. So it'll all come out Saturday morning. Thanks for taking time for us today. We really appreciate it. Right on. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Uh, safe travels down. And yep. If you need anything while you're here, you let us know. Okay? Sounds good. We'll see you Saturday. There All you go. Right, That's care, John Sassenti. Oops, sorry. John Sassenti, the uh, executive director of the Las Vegas Bowl. What? I liked how he, he uh, bristled at the before and after Christmas thing. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't think it was that big of an issue with the mm-hmm. bowl, but apparently it is, and that the, the voices have been louder and stronger than even I thought Yeah, it makes uh, sense. on that. And then they, they buckled and tried mm-hmm. what the 30th, I think he said, and it just mm-hmm. didn't work out. It, it, and it makes sense, right? Like any destination location you choose for New Year's, I mean, yeah. what, Miami, Vegas, New York, uh, probably Los Angeles as well. I mean, it's just a little bit harder uh, with all the hotels there on Vegas, again, he's right. They they don't need right. the bowl game to be on New Year's to get people there. They don't need that at all. But I uh, thought I had read somewhere that they did need to fill some rooms between the 1st of December and the 25th. That that period of time mm-hmm. is kind of a low point for, for Vegas. And this bowl goes right in between that? Right, right. And, uh, you know, when Steven Jackson uh, played his last football game, I was at that bowl game. Doug Blair and I did our show from down there. It was just a blast. Um, great big win over uh, New Mexico and, and everything, all of that. It was at Sam Boyd Stadium. But that was on Christmas Eve. For a mm-hmm. number of years, the bowl game was on Christmas Eve. That's a tough one for people who have kids and but also would travel if it mm-hmm. wasn't at that date. So it wasn't long after that they, they moved the date. And December 17th, you know, the, the Vegas Bowl is one of seven bowl games on Saturday. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a good spot. The way he explained it, it just makes more sense. A, it's more affordable for fans to go. How much do you think a plane ticket to Vegas is around New Year's? Like probably a lot of money. Oh yeah, a lot I of mean, money and hotel. He like you mentioned three three uh, three night minimum. Mm-hmm. So even if you go to the bowl game for a night, you got to stay pay for three nights, etc. Food's more expensive, transportation around the strips more expensive, almost yeah. everything's yeah. more expensive. The thing that amazed me, their their sort of entrance when they got there. I mean, the coaches went to go to that restaurant. I've seen videos of that restaurant. It's like a, a premier spot. You are literally in the. Do you know that restaurant? Like it is in the Bellagio. I've been to the Bellagio, but I don't Over, remember. There's a is it, it in that atrium open? thing? Uh, I don't remember, but it is like it is situated like right next to the fountains. You sit on essentially like a deck, yeah, looking over the fountains while they're going. While <laughs> yeah. they could potentially be going off for a show, and the food is supposed to be really good. Uh, I'm sure it is. The Bellagio is a very expensive hotel, yeah, and very nice. I've actually stayed there twice, mm-hmm. but um, the first time was a uh, promotional deal Mm -hmm. and the rooms were no more than any other room on the strip. It was just kind of a, Hey, get people in here to see what we have. Mm -hmm. And it was like, Whoa, this place is amazing. It is beautiful in there. And uh, we went and saw the, uh, Cirque du Soleil show O, which I imagine they still have it because they built the stage in there, a Mm -hmm. multi-million dollar stage for water stuff. That was fantastic. And then at the time, the owner was a big art fan and there was an art show in one of the rooms on the on the ground floor that you had to pay to get into. And we went. Mm-hmm. And there was a Rembrandt on the wall. And that was like 
you don't see that very often. Then mm-hmm. that was many, many years ago. But it was a lot of fun. And I think that the, they're staying at the Virgin Hotel. Uh-huh. A little um, bit farther down the strip. Down the strip, yeah. I do. I think Rome's beef segment is tomorrow, but there's one thing I have beef with yeah. with the with the Bellagio, their sports book, and then the roulette tables. <laughs> I, I have some beef with them. I don't know that I've ever been to their sports book because even it's when nice. I stayed there, I gambled nice. somewhere else. It, it's I would say it's standard for a Vegas sports book. They have like you know four or five rows of these the really comfortable chairs yeah. for you to sit in, like yeah. the the sofas. And then, you know, standard gambling and stuff. And then the, the bar's right behind it. And there's, you know, games well, over there okay, to the side. Well, that's standard. It was good. Yeah, it was pretty it was standard. It was good. Just not for my wallet. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I have beef. That's my beef. But walking around there, oh, it's gorgeous. It, may, it makes you feel like you're in Italy. You yeah. wouldn't know. Yeah, there's and there's this big, big atrium that... I only remember it for breakfast time, but I don't remember what they did use it. it just, it's a beautiful place. So why, if hey, look, if you're listening to the show right now and you're going to Vegas to go to the bowl game, check out the Bellagio. Certainly you want to stand and watch the water, the, uh, water show, which is pretty cool. And uh, the Venetian, been in that. Mm-hmm. That's also very beautiful. That's, that's very cool. The older stuff is a little bit more, I think, I don't know if it's north or south, but mm-hmm. at, at the other end where you've got like Caesars, which I still love Caesars. Mm-hmm. I think I think you pick south, I think. Is that south? I yeah, think so. Caesar. The the far end where Circus Circus is, opposite right. the end where New York, New York is. And I know Allegiant Stadium is on the end where New York, New, New York, York is. And, yeah. Uh, the MGM is. Yeah. Oh, I, I like the MGM. The MGM's fun, too. Um, I, I oh, the want, Aria is... Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, I wanted to go and see a, a sporting event at the MGM, the Pac-12 tournament, but mm-hmm. they moved over to... Uh, they moved over mm-hmm. to T-Mobile, which uh, I guess you told me that the Knights are Knights playing. Knights are playing Saturday night. I say you can go to that. Yeah. Yeah, because you fly out Sunday, right? Right. right? Or, so you could, you could go to that. And the the, the, LA, the production aspect of the Knights is that's supposed to be hear. phenomenal. The pregame production. I think or, tickets are like 70 bucks right now. Well, it's maybe, I, yeah, maybe I can get a deal. I mm-hmm. don't know. Let's uh, get our last break in this hour. We'll come back. Take your phone calls, your, your texts on anything. Mike will join us from Vegas here in about 15 minutes at 12.05. We don't have any other guests lined up for today. I don't think, do we? No, we don't. <laughs> and we're good, <laughs> don't we're good so. with open phones and everything. This will be my last day here. TJ tomorrow by himself and then uh, a best of on Friday and... Uh, I am going to be here tomorrow morning for the morning show, but just I have to travel. I have to get up to the airport Mm -hmm. uh, midday and then get out of town. I have a a three-hour layover in Phoenix coming both ways, which I welcomed because my son can Mm -hmm. visit me and we can go go to to the restaurant for Go to the Chuck Box? Go to the Chuck Box. DeFalco's? DeFalco's. I think those are the two spots you need to go to. I'll have to see if he knows about either one of them. Uh, I hope so. There's classics. In Scottsdale or near Tampa? Uh, DeFalco's is in Scottsdale. It's on, uh, I think it's on Scottsdale Road. Okay. Uh, the Chuck Box is in Tempe. It's near campus. All right. We'll check that out. All right. We'll be back after this. Phone number is 541 497 5356 on 1240 Joe Radio. Burst's Chocolates looks forward to seeing all their customers and making some new ones this holiday season. Over the last 84 years, a lot of things have changed. But the way Burst's makes candy has not. They still prefer the old-fashioned method of making their candy in small batches by hand, right in the store. However, if you're looking for something a little different, Burst's has added imported chocolates and confections this year. Make Burst's Chocolates part of your holiday tradition. Between 3rd and 4th on Madison and downtown Corvallis, they're online at BurstChocolates.com. Sweetening the valley since 1938. John is a landlord and has a tenant who missed a rent payment. Mary had an emergency which took up most of her paycheck and she couldn't afford her rent. John and Mary ended up in court. 
A month later, with another missed payment and thousands of dollars in legal fees, there was a resolution that left no one happy. Eviction doesn't need to be your first choice. Hi, this is Jared from Neighbor to Neighbor. We provide free mediation services for both landlords and tenants, which can save you time and money compared to litigation. Email me at weareN2N at gmail.com. That's weareN, the number two, N at gmail.com. Don't wait. Mediate. In sports, it's important to have a talented starting lineup. The same is true if you need some advice with personal or business tax planning or just some helpful strategy. See the starting lineup at Tax and Wealth Management, David Mendenhall, Bill Heck, or Robert Berry. They have the experience you need to successfully execute the game plan every time. They'd also like to take this moment to wish all of their clients and friends a very safe and joyous holiday season. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year from Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis, your hometown tax team. What's your power like today? Are you driving a powerful vehicle or are you just getting there? Fall and winter is coming and Power Honda in Albany has the CRV, Pilot, HRV, Odyssey, Passport SUVs, Ridgeline trucks, and over a thousand pre-owned vehicles to choose from to help you get to where you're going this fall and winter. So come experience the power at Power Honda in Albany or go to mypowerhonda.com. Taste the incredible flavors of India at Evergreen Indian Restaurant. Enjoy delicious made-to-order Indian cuisine using traditional recipes and fresh ingredients, including a variety of entrees and tandoori specials. Evergreen Indian Restaurant is open for dine-in and carry-out from 11.30 to 2.30 p.m. and from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. daily except on Tuesdays. View the menu and order online at evergreenindianrestaurant.com. On Southwest 3rd in downtown Cor- and West 7th in Eugene, Evergreen Indian Restaurant. All right, closing up shop here on this first hour of the program. Mike Parker at 12.05. We'll get a good conversation. Uh, did get a text, um, TJ, that I can't answer, but I can I can uh, give an educated uh, statement on this, and that is that Oregon State is the designated home team. Traditionally in the sport of football, home team goes dark. Right. But tradition is out the window because the NBA years ago just said, we'll just do whatever. And I'm like, wait, what is, wait a second. You could always count on a few things, TJ, and one mm-hmm. of which I'm not sure you're aware of. But growing up, you could always count on a few things. You could turn on the TV, number one, and because other than a few stadiums like uh, Riverfront and uh, the Kingdome and, uh, let's see, Cincinnati and even Pittsburgh, they had those circular cookie-cutter stadiums that were both baseball and football. Like Candlestick. But even, even yeah, even still, even with that, you could turn the TV on and just look if, at a few things and go, okay, I know where that game is. Right. You could tell the, uh, the if, if the score was up, because I remember, I'm old enough now, and mm-hmm. a lot of our listeners are, to where the score wasn't always, it would, it would flash, flash yeah. every so many minutes. Anyway... Scoreboard or score, home team's always on the bottom if it's a top to bottom deal. So if you look at a score on a mm-hmm. on an ESPN, whatever, home team, bottom score. And if it's left to right, home team is on the right mm-hmm. for score. So you can tell, well, they're at New Mexico because it's it's over there. Um but the question from Brian and McMinnville is what color are the beavers gonna wear? I don't know. I'm gonna guess orange, but they I just checked their Twitter because I guessed where you were going to go with uh-huh. that, and they have not tweeted out anything about their combination. Yeah. But I would guess it's going to be orange. And but then Florida or white. It could be. 
uh, unfortunately, See, Florida's both orange. Florida has orange in their colors. Right, right. Orange and blue. So maybe they'll go black. They could go black. Yeah. Because Florida he, doesn't have you know, that. And obviously, heat's not an issue for black on heat because it's indoors, the whole nine yards. But I, home team usually goes dark. I wouldn't go be opposed color on color. I wouldn't. No, I, I like I like, I like color on color. The uh, Civil War was great. Green, it was, yeah. Green oh. versus yellow. They should do every... I don't green know why. Green versus orange. You know, white jerseys are fine. They are very fine. Yeah. But they, you know, the color on color is just so aesthetically pleasing to those of us who are not colorblind. Um, I was going <laughs> to say to you, it's like guessing which the home team is. I think I've watched enough football where if you blanked all the jerseys and I was only looking at a stadium by the players in generic jerseys on mm-hmm. the field mm-hmm. and just seeing a, the angle, the camera's at the lighting of the field. Yeah. I could probably set a 70 to 80% certainty guess which stadium it is for me. I don't know if it's that high of a percentage, but I can tell you some stadiums, the New Orleans, uh, Superdome, yeah. darkest stadium in the NFL. I could, I don't know about college football. There's darkest a lot stadium, of, it's awful. There's a lot of stadiums in college football that that's a little trickier, but the, if you gave me all 32 NFL yeah. stadiums, I'm pretty sure I'd get about 80% of them. Right. Yeah. A couple of minutes left. Got to tell you about a, <laughs> a text I got during uh, the break. We were talking about the Bellagio and how uh-huh. great that is. And, my uh, my neighbor um, Gavin writes in. He says Bellagio has the best buffet uh, I've ever seen. Now this part shocks me. It's funny too. Almost got in a fist fight when I accidentally cut in line for the king crab legs. <laughs> that sounds like a Vegas it's, problem. It's funny to me because knowing Gavin, he's the nicest guy in the world. I can't imagine anybody getting. Ah, what are you doing? And then uh, I can't imagine. I can't, Gavin. Gavin you, should have grabbed the king crab leg and went. Bah! Yeah, you're too nice. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't even want to envision you throwing gloves with anyone. That's my job. I'm the cantankerous one. Are you going to go to a buffet? And by the way, he says Chuck Box is amazing. It so. is a- incredible. I recommend it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go to the Bellagio buffet now that Gavin wrote that. King, King crab legs it sounds I pretty good. I don't want those, but I, yeah, I want a, I want a good. Yeah, I'm uh, not a, I want a good breakfast buffet too. Mm, they have there's a uh, there's a Vegas um, there's like the really rich and fa- I think you'll probably be in the air by this time. But there's a really uh, famous uh, breakfast buffet on Sundays. They only do it on Sundays. I forget where it is. I've watched a video of it. I will look it up and we'll report it at 12:05. Yeah. But they have you know. Part of what you pay for, unlimited champagne, everything is truffle on it. Yeah. I mean, seafood, you know, Benedict's, pancakes, uh, all you know, sorts well, you, of famous you like things. That, that high-end expensive stuff. I like watching it <laughs> because I know I don't. It's free to watch on YouTube, and I don't have to pay for it out of my own pocket. However, if I ever get you know rich enough one of these days, it's hard to do in this business, but. Eventually, maybe I get financially well off. I can go experience that, and it would be really delicious. <laughs> you can take me with you. Okay, um, part <laughs> sounds of, good. Part of Brian's text was he said, as they are the away team. No, the Beavers are the home team, and uh, Florida is the visitor in this bowl game. I'm going to look up that buffet, and we'll get it back to All you. All right, uh, another hour to go. We've got your phone calls and texts, but we have Mike Parker joining us here at 12.05, so that'll be fun. Haven't talked to Mike in a while. I have, but uh, not, on, not on the air. So we'll do that coming up. Our thanks to uh, John Sassenti the executive director of the Las Vegas Bowl, for joining us in that first hour. Again, the phone number is 541-497-5356. Be right back. All set, please. Here's the microphone. Is this thing on? This is KEJO Corvallis. Everybody hear me? We're on in five. And QID. 1240, Joe 
Radio. I'm Jim Chesko with your money now. There have been some encouraging signs of late, but inflation is still very much a concern, and the Federal Reserve still has work to do on that front. That's the message from the central bank, which just wrapped up its latest policy meeting by announcing a half-point interest rate increase and signaling that several more hikes should be expected in 2023, and no reductions until 24. The latter part of that message from the Fed spooked investors. Stocks quickly gave up early solid gains and turned firmly into the red. The S&P 500 down 30 points. The Dow Industrial is now down 250. The Nasdaq Composite lower by 105. When it comes to takeout, what are we eating? Well, what we're not eating is onions. Uber Eats says in almost all 50 states, the most frequent special instruction on food orders was no onions. Other frequent requests included no tomatoes or extra sauce. The most popular food and alcohol pairings included steak and margaritas, pizza and white claw hard seltzer, and burritos and margaritas. That's your money now. Moments like seeing my son's team cheer him on mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palbociclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for postmenopausal women or for men with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Taking Ibrands, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting. Get the Mexican-inspired craze you'll crave at Qdoba Mexican Eats with new brisket birria. We're talking tender, shredded beef, slow-cooked for 10 hours in chili and garlic, infusing the authentic flavors of the popular Mexican street food. Top your favorite entree or try the quesabirria quesadilla or burrito. Brisket birria layered with their signature three-cheese queso. From Mexico to food trucks and now to your plate, get in on the birria craze and order today at Qdoba.com. Stargazer Premier Florist knows that the holiday season is a special time with special meaning and that a meaningful gift can brighten someone's day and leave them feeling appreciated for any occasion. Choose from Stargazer Premier Florist's wide selection of fresh floral arrangements, bountiful bouquets, gift baskets, and houseplants always delivered fresh with a focus on keeping families and friends connected. Stop in, call, or view Stargazer's selection online at StargazerPremierFlorist.com. Stargazer Premier Florist, 925 Northwest Circle Boulevard in Corvallis. Hi, I'm Dennis Overs, the golf guru, with another golf minute to help you finish the job off. Every position in the golf swing is important, including the finish. Watch most tour players today, and you'll see that their left sides at the finish are in a straight line from the foot to the shoulder, forming an eye. This position signals an aggressive trunk rotation through the ball and makes for a swing that produces longer drives. You can feel the proper finish position by teeing up a ball and taking your normal address position with a 9-iron. Now take your left hand off the club and with the right hand only, swing back and through the ball to the finish. If you maintain good balance, you'll make solid contact and your upper body will rotate properly all the way to the eye finish. So remember, Strive for an eye finish position in your swing for better body rotation and your opponents will see the eye of the tiger in you. 
for the Golf Minute. I'm Dennis Silvers. This week at Staples, save 40% on... Thanks for your business this year. Save 40% on... Happy Holidays, Nana. Save 40% on... You are cordially invited. Right now at Staples, you can save 40% on custom printed holiday cards and invitations. So you can say, thanks for a great year, happy holidays, or come on over, all for less. For everything you need printed this holiday, go to Staples, the working and learning store. In-store and online, ends 1217. Exclusions and restrictions apply. You've been putting back a few, and a few becomes a few too many. For a moment, you think of calling for a ride, but nah, you live nearby. What's the worst that could happen? You get pulled over, your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you total your car, you kill someone. The results of driving drunk are tragic. That's why law enforcement is out there looking for impaired drivers to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Drive sober or get pulled over. Paid for by NHTSA. Time to enter the Magic Kingdom. Denise, would you kindly clear the wheels? Okay, here we go. On three. One, two. Tweets and texts, faces and books. Tweets and texts and faces and books. Seems like it's more about FM and color TV. In such an age as this, is there any room left for something as simple as radio? We believe there is. Touchdown, Beaver! He's got a chance to go! Joe Beaver Show is on the air with Mike Parker and John Warren, two men on a mission to prove that AM radio is a viable and modern source for news and entertainment. So gather the whole family. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. If you don't have one, fret not. I'll have the management send you up a radio. Be a part of the triumphant return of amplitude modulation. This is the big one, boys. This is the one that brings us back. Soon, AM radio will reign king once more. <laughs> it's the Joe Beaver Show on the home of the beavers. Cool, cool. Twelve forty, Joe Radio. An right. answer for you. Here we go. What's the question? The Sterling Brunch at at Bally's. I think it's. Behind Caesars, Sterling Behind Caesars and uh, and Paris is ninety five dollars. Bottomless champagne, seafood, pastries, where's omelets. The, where's the ten dollar brunch? Uh, there's. Or, I think there's buffet. some off not, the not brunch, but, but uh, I think they're like you could probably find those, but off the strip. I don't but, know if you could find a ten dollar one on the strip. Maybe at a ask, really cheap one. Let's uh, ask Mike. Mike's Mike, they're scouting. On back the ground. in the day, one of the things that Vegas was known for, which by the way, it's not known for a lot of things it used to be, but back in the day, it was known for cheap uh, buffets. I think that's not true anymore. They're all really expensive, aren't they? Everything here is very expensive, guys. Good <laughs> afternoon. It's good to be on the Joe Beaver Show, including not only it's, I mean, there is no, this is about the only hotel room I've stayed in ever, other than maybe a trip or two to the Pac-12 tournament in Vegas, with no coffee in the rooms, no coffee maker, no, there's nothing huh. free whatsoever. But what you're talking about, John, I remember coming down here with the Portland Beavers baseball team in the late uh, 80s, 87, 88, 89, to play the Las Vegas Stars, the AAA affiliate of the San Diego Padres, Jimmy Wilson, Pat Casey, and others on that 87 club coming down here to Vegas. (laughs) 
and we would stay in the old part, of the old town Vegas mm. on Fremont at the mm. Las Vegas Club Hotel and Casino. And there, there will be a pep rally there, by the way, an event coming up, uh, I think, tonight. In yeah. fact, the two teams in kind of a competition will get together in that area tonight on Fremont. But back then, you would drive in, get on the bus from McCarran, head over, and see advertisements everywhere on the on the bright neon lights. Three ninety five buffet, three dollars, yeah. and yeah. Now, now it's about three hundred ninety five. I'm sure, but three dollars ninety five cents steak. I mean, the everybody was out competing the other for the lowest price yeah. steak, breakfast, meals in town. Maybe there's still some of that flavor going on over in the old part of the city. But it certainly isn't here. And so whatever you're just talking about, a $95 brunch behind or near Caesars Palace, I completely believe it. Everything around here where we're staying, very expensive and no free coffee. So times have changed in Vegas, that's for sure. I think Planet Hollywood is still pretty cheap. I believe that's right on the strip. But uh, you're right, Mike. I think the rest of them are uh, it's too are, bad. Are, are, are jacked up. There's, there's still a couple spots, but they are rare. Okay. Thank you. I'll, well, we're not too far from Planet Hollywood. In fact, that's one of the first places when we come out of our Virgin uh, Hotel and Casino, formerly the Hard Rock Cafe. Uh, In fact, when I would, uh, back in the good old days, would go for jogs away from Mandalay Bay and the Pac-12 tournament, this was an occasional stop for a drink, restroom break, and continue on. And there were Johnny Cash things all over, Johnny Cash memorabilia up in the hall and in the very section where Johnny used to be. It is no more, and it's just turned into a uh, a nightclub, which made me kind of miss and long for, for Johnny and the Hard Rock, Hard Rock Cafe in the old days. But when you come out of our hotel and take a ride and head down Harmon towards the Strip, Planet Hollywood is one of the first places you come to uh, after about a three-quarter or a mile walk. So knowing what you do, I'm going to see I'm going to see, uh-huh. TJ, if what you're saying uh-huh. is true, because I, I, I could use a, a little less expensive meal as this week continues down here. There is one restaurant. I'm, I was scrambling to try and find it. I can't. But I know there's one restaurant that at some point of the day, I think it's late at night, they do $5 anything you want. Like anything on the menu, you get an entree for $5, <laughs> steak, burgers, wow. etc. anything $5. Okay. I don't know how good it is. But it's only five dollars. So I hope there's well, no holes in Well, thanks for that, carpet. man. I, that's within Planet Hollywood somewhere, huh? <laughs> um, I think so. I think I'm not certain. Okay. Okay. Um, Michael, thanks for the help. So yes. I have questions for you. I have questions. It's all about questions. Can you walk from the hotel to Allegiant Stadium? Well, you can. <laughs> Is it realistic? And, yeah. It. I would say. I mean, I yes, essentially, in that last night. Allegiant Stadium is across the street from Mandalay Bay. I walked from the hotel last night to Mandalay Bay and turned around and walked back. But that's a hike. I mean, it was okay mile. I mean, you know, yeah, you can, but you need to allow plenty of time. And with the early start, yeah, uh, the 11.30 kick, it, it may not be as practicable. The original 4.30 kick... I probably would have walked. Yeah. But at 11.30, everything is on an accelerated pace. Ocean One at Plenty Hollywood, Planet Hollywood, Mike. There we go. We got it. Okay. I appreciate that, TJ. I may be heading there after this conversation. I've yet to have a meal today. You have to kind of space out, pick and choose when you're going to have it based on, okay, how much do I have left? Eh, okay, I'll, I'll, eat, I'll eat at around 3 o'clock and try to cover 
breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> I, I, I agree with you. I get that. Yeah. It's a road trip thing, you know. And, and it's hard sometimes when you travel with a team and you yourself don't have a lot of money. But the team has yeah. its budget, and they stay at these hotels that are off in the middle of a uh, of a you know <laughs> farmland. But it's a luxury hotel, so any True. of the restaurants True. are like twenty dollars hamburgers, and you're thinking, no, I need McDonald's, and uh, you kind of stuck. <laughs> you can't do it. But I've I've experienced that before. They do as well. have you know the strip. I will say, I mean, they have food court places. Yeah, where. You can go in and find those along the strip, and they have you know fast food joints. And one of them is the Taco Bell Cantina, which is this massive. I've never seen a Taco Bell quite along it's the amazing, lines. It's amazing, isn't it? Down here, there's nothing, <laughs> nothing in Vegas that's like anywhere else in, in all respects, including their McDonald's and their Taco Bells. And I've yet to frequent those places over the years down here, but they are here. And there is a there is a Mexican food restaurant near Planet Hollywood called Nacho Daddy's, which I had never discovered before on previous trips. But the route that I take to get from the Virgin down to the Strip has taken me by this place, and it was a, a pleasant discovery. And the the prices there actually aren't too bad. Mike, you can actually get married at that Taco Bell if you want. <laughs> yeah, at that Taco Bell Cantina, yes. well. You know, the week is young, so we'll just see what plays out. <laughs> you know too, TJ, you know too much for uh, some I watch here. a lot of YouTube. <laughs> That's funny. What's the talk? When you're talking with uh, other people, you run into them uh, around as far as, I mean, is there any talk? Hey, team's working out great, having a lot of uh, fun. Florida isn't bringing anybody because they're running out of players. Any any chatter? <laughs> well, I, I wish it were true that Florida had decided only bring maybe, you know, the uh, an Ironman group of 11 who might play both ways or the whole game, that would give the Beavers a little better chance probably. Yeah. They are bringing – the Beavers are favored, and they should be yeah. for a lot of reasons. Even if Florida w- was full strength with a full complement of its roster, they went 6-6 six and six and 3-5 and five in a good league, and they played a lot of good teams well. They beat Utah in the opener. They've done some good things uh, – you know, and even in their loss, their, their offense behind Anthony Richardson, their quarterback, who's declared for the draft and is a very intriguing prospect, scored 38 points in the loss. The defense gave up 45 to the Seminoles, but had been playing well in the weeks uh, weeks leading into that. So the talk is from the Oregon State side: we know we're up against a talented team, and they are. Yeah. They're out of the SEC. They're a blue blood program. Billy Napier had the 18th ranked recruiting class in the country coming in. He's in a top 10 class now, so he's recruiting well. And there's always talent on hand here. And I think it'll be motivated and focused talent because, if anything, the talk about this bowl game has been more on on Oregon State and the great year and the breakthrough kind of year and the chance to get to 10 wins. And I have a feeling Billy Napier and the Gators are going to be rallying up to, here's your 10th win right here. You know they're, that they're going to be motivated to prevent whatever Billy can tap into. Hey, everybody's talking about them. They're heavily favored. They're, they're, they think we don't have players. Right. Let's go show show who we who we are. What the SEC is 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 all about. And so I know that Jonathan's conveying that message to his guys. And I could tell by the tenor and tone of practice yesterday, <laughs> there wasn't any any sort of. Uh, distraction, mm-hmm. any sort of, uh, you know, just kind of guys going through the motions. It was a serious practice with a lot of good work done. I haven't had the luxury to see many practices this year, 
they practice while the Joe Beaver show is on. So, John, neither you nor I have seen a lot of them. TJ's seen a little bit more when media can get it, a little bit of the practices, but not much. What I saw, I was impressed with the streamlined nature of the practice, all of the work being done, no wasted time or energy. Guys lock in, look sharp, look good. And so I'm, I'm not sure about the talk, but from Oregon State side, there is a committed uh, effort yeah. on everyone's part to get to that 10th win. That seems to be the rallying cry, 10 wins, 10 yep. wins. Yep. So Jonathan has impressed on his team the importance of that number. You know, you speak of numbers. A couple of things here to respond to what you just said. One, uh, kind of a funny anecdote. Uh, Nick Daschle tweeted a line yesterday that said, if anybody told uh, or if anybody thought that this bowl game was, you know, going to be an easy thing or no big deal to the players or whatever, no one told Jim Mahalchik. So apparently he was working working (laughs) them really good yesterday. Yes, he was. I loved it, by the way. And and that is... You know, I don't think I had a chance to say this to you, but I'll just parenthetically. Uh, one of uh, a former offensive line coach, and I'll just say it, he's been the O-line coach down here for UNLV, and Marcus Arroyo and his staff just got blown out. So, T.J. Woods, a former O-line coach at Oregon State for Gary, and mm-hmm. a good coach, a, a really good coach. And that wasn't, you know, the work that T.J. did with the Beavers' O-line was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Keith Hayward Johnson was also here. He's the D coordinator for Marcus Arroyo and UNLV. Keith was around visiting a lot yesterday with uh, with Jonathan and with others and coming back to his alma mater. And he told me I'll have my beaver gear on rooting wildly for you guys. Keith has bounced around a little bit since he left Oregon State. And who knows you know, what the circumstances and all of that will be. But I've always enjoyed Keith as a person and, and admired his coaching and recruiting acumen. So, you know, whatever may happen down the road years from now with uh, Jonathan and the staff that he's managed to, to keep together impressively through, through the years, very little changeover in Jonathan's time here. But if a, if a vacancy would ever occur in the backfield defensively, you know, I, I think, and Keith is available, he's a guy that, you know, I think would be, uh, would be worth uh, going after. You know, a guy who's been well-traveled and done a lot of good things. But T.J. Wood said to me while we were both, he came up, introduced himself, said, I'm so happy for you guys. I, you know, he said, it's, he said, it's amazing. It's amazing what, what you guys have done, and I'm happy for everybody. But T.J. said, that guy, and he pointed to Jim, he said, is the standard bearer in our industry. He is, what he does with the offensive line is as good as anyone in the coaching industry mm. in college football. And I don't think that's hyperbole, and it was nice of T.J. to say that. He said he and Jim have been friends for a long time, but he just he learns a lot coming to practices and watching Jim at work. And Jim was, to Nick Daschle's point, Jim was working the guys <laughs> yesterday. They're all in. We've known that about Jim, and, and, and that mm-hmm. just you know is one more uh, thing to solidify that thought. So I just... We got to keep yeah. him. Just got to keep Jim Mahalchik for as yep. long as long as possible. All right, you mentioned numbers. Um, Jack Miller, I guess, will be the guy, and he is a redshirt uh, freshman, four star that was originally recruited to Ohio State, ends up at Florida. We learned this week that um, he was the number two guy in fall camp 
but then got hurt and had to have surgery. Yeah. And because of that, I mean, think about that. You, you know, he, he, there's experience there at least to get that far in the depth chart. He just hasn't seen a game yet, but he'll be the guy, and you know he's going to be good. So Jonathan, of course, is is showing film as much as he can and saying, look, these guys are going to be good because it's an SEC team. It doesn't matter if they haven't really seen much of the field this year. And with respect to Jack Miller the third, he, he was recruited and committed originally to Ohio State where he did play some games Last year, he got into some games, a handful of plays. I think he was 7 for 14 Mm -hmm. for 121 yards in his only collegiate snaps. So while he's not taking a snap for uh, his new team, the Gators, he's taking snaps for none other than Ohio State and was a four-star recruit. And Ryan Day, the head coach for the Buckeyes, said that Miller was a guy they identified very early years ago in the process that they wanted, and his time was coming. At Ohio State, he's played behind some pretty good players there in his time in Columbus. So he, had he stayed, he might have had a chance to, to play his way at some point into a starting role for the Buckeyes. That was at least Ryan Day's evaluation of him coming in there. And now the thing that I think that we all need to be aware of and concerned about on a certain level is his lack of experience this year is something. I mean, it's hard to – it's going to be his first snap of the season. That's true. But he is a guy. Mm-hmm. He's a true uh, blue-chip, uh, four-star quarterback who's had plenty of time to get ready for this opportunity. And he is going to want to do everything he can to dissuade his head coach, Billy Napier, from going all into the portal to bring in right. Anthony Richards' successor. So this is an audition, an open audition for the part by Jack Miller the third. So... He's got a good group of receivers, a deep group of talented receivers, three of whom will be coming back who missed the last couple of games with injury. They block well up front. They were second in the SEC in, in fewest sacks allowed this year. Mm-hmm. And part of that is Richardson's mobility, I'm sure, but it's also a credit to that offensive line, which is talented and good. And they've got a couple of very good running backs, guys, that average nearly six yards a carry. And, in fact, while Damian Martinez is probably the best freshman running back in the, in, in the country, in my opinion, with his 970 yards, mm-hmm. Trevor Etienne, their true freshman running back, leads all true freshmen in yards per carry. So he's part of a one-two punch that runs the ball well behind a good offensive line. So I think Billy Napier believes, uh, with his coordinator, Rob Sale, that they're sitting on a game plan while everyone – they think, hey, we don't have any players. We don't, you know. I I think they're going to function pretty well offensively. Yeah, I agree. Have you seen many uh, Beaver fans down there yet, or is it too early in the week? I would say it's a little early. The uh, the hotel that we're in has, of course, all of the families, and so it's been delightful to see uh, Jonathan's uh, family uh, running around and uh, enjoying themselves, and a lot of uh, of the other coaches' families there. Their wives and families are here. So there's plenty of, of uh, orange and black uh, rolling through the lobby and, and uh, out and about from the Beaver family perspective. But I haven't seen a lot of fans yet. But, again, we're not on the strip proper. We're away. Right. Uh, tonight when I go for a walk, I didn't see much. In fact, I didn't see any Beaver fans, hmm. to be honest with you. When I took a long walk kind of up and down the strip last night, did not see a single Beaver fan. I had Beaver gear on, expecting 
the obligatory go Beavs yeah. and didn't hear it once. Huh. I'm hoping that'll change tonight because I think fans are starting to, they'll be starting to roll in in the next few days. Yeah, definitely that'll change. Um, you got anything else, TJ? I've got a, a, a couple of things. So, all right, so you've got fans haven't come in yet. You've got the family members there. I had a really good question, and I just completely forgot it. And, and uh, It'll come back to you, John. It always It'll happens. Come back. Oh, yeah. Did you, see, did you see on Monday or maybe late Sunday the photograph of Jonathan running the clock at his, his child's yes. Boys and Girls Club or YMCA basketball game? Yes, I did, and I mentioned it to him, and, and typical Jonathan just kind of shrugging it off. He shrugged it off and even said to me when I – he said, how about that? I didn't want – that was posted by somebody. Yeah. Not not so much like, hey, hey, who did that? I'm mad. I'm angry. It's no, not that. No, no, But he didn't – he wasn't running the clock at the Albany Boys and Girls Club for his daughter Bella's game to get that kind of attention and no. notoriety. You understand what I mean? I don't think anybody so he thinks was a that. Little sheepish, yeah. a little sheepish that it generated sort of as much run that it did because that isn't why he did it. No. So typically understated, here's a guy that on Sunday gets the extension, $30 million, six years. I'm, I'm so grateful for that. He also gets salary pool a money increase for his assistance that will keep Jim Mahalchik perhaps and others in the fold and keep this thing building and growing. But the last thing Jonathan wanted was any attention <laughs> for stepping into the floor uh, and helping out with a clock for his daughter's basketball game. But there it was. But I think it speaks to who he is. Such a perfect fit for all that Oregon State is and a great, a great job that he's doing. Well, and I my take on it was it's great – it's great, but let's not put people on certain pedestals because we all have to do that. You and I have run scoreboards. <laughs> I've coached. I coached my daughter's eighth-grade team. Now, I'm yeah. not Jonathan Smith making all that millions of dollars and coaching a football right. team. But at the same time, of course, he's a family man through and through. And I don't think anybody drew any kind of uh, thing conclusion that he staged that no that was someone just going oh my gosh that's jonathan smith Look, there he is yeah yep. yeah and yep. it's it's great it's great to see but it's also normal and i like that and mm-hmm. i love his humility too it's just awesome yeah all right doc well um i'll see you tomorrow well let's see tomorrow night no I'll, I'll, unless you're up i'll see you tomorrow night or uh, friday and um Maybe we can find one of those buffets together that TJ's talking about. Hey, well, TJ, one more time, uh-huh. since, uh, you know, uh, I am getting a little hungry here and ready for a walk to the Strip. What was the name of that place within Planet Hollywood again, please? Ocean One. Ocean One, like the, the, the literal ocean, ocean with the waves. One. Okay, yes. maybe they're going to uh, remake of, you know, I might see George Clooney and Brad Pitt and others around <laughs> scouting out a place for a film of the film and then make it Ocean One. Yeah. Since they started with 11, maybe they should work their way back. Those are good movies, by the way. Go, like to, go to the 530 thing tonight, but before that, take some time out, which is a block or two away, for the Mob Museum. You won't be disappointed. Oh, down in, in Old Town, yeah. Vegas? Yeah, down it's, along, it's, it's at, like at two blocks away from the Fremont area. Okay. Okay. I may do that, guys. Yeah. I appreciate you having me on. All right, Enjoyed Michael. the show, what I heard of it yesterday. A tremendous tributes you guys did, and, yeah, and Laura. Laura did, and Alex did. To oh, that was a rough one. Mike Leach, and whatever ambivalence we had at times yeah. about certain entreating of media members, and the big scheme of things, well, that bothered us and ranked yeah. with me in yeah. the moment. Not, neither you nor I, John, ever ever disputed the genius that he was no. and the the, the larger-than-life entertaining figure that he was. I, 
I think part of his quirkiness and oddity just might have been not always the most comfortable in what we just hope the coaches and the stars play along with. Just just be, you know, do this thing, <laughs> say a few cliche inanity things and walk off. Right. But Mike, I think, is such a was such a person of depth and, and curiosity and, and brilliance, near genius probably, that those types of look, just play the game and fake it through and be nice and kind and walk off and that that was not really in his wheelhouse. He's right. Not, he wasn't really quite capable of that kind of thing. No, and to back because that his up. his mind was too too active, and I, I can give him credit for and, that. And to back that up, the one common theme that was yesterday, especially with TJ and his ability to find things on Twitter, was that all these anecdotal stories of regular people, or let's say lower yeah. echelon, small market yes. radio yes. guys, tweeting him something and him calling them and then giving them an hour of conversation. Exactly, which is far, far better that type of interaction with humanity and people, and it doesn't matter who you are, where you are. He had, in his own way, the kind, in a different kind of way than our own Jonathan Smith. But the the willingness to engage on anything with anybody, and an hour of time away from the press and away from interactions on the sideline at halftime, those are far more important in the overall scheme of things than whether he kind of give a brush off to a sideline reporter. The other things are far more important, and he handled those beautifully in his very interesting life. We'll never quite see the likes of, of him again. All right, go get some food. Thanks, Michael. Okay, thanks, guys. All right, talk to you later. Mike Parker joining us from Las Vegas. I keep thinking, I, I keep getting confused because I've been to Vegas many times, mm-hmm. but when you and Mike say the term off the strip, mm-hmm. I, thought, I thought that the hard rock was on the strip. And sometimes when you can say off the strip, it, it makes you think, well, way off, like the Rio, blocks away. But it can actually be literally just one block behind another building that is on the right, strip. Right, right. It's so. like say, like you could technically say the top golf is off the strip. Right. But you walk on the strip through the MGM to top golf. Exactly, which I know exactly where you're talking about. Uh, let, me, um, let, me, let me see where the hard rock... Did the Hard Casino. Rock change oh, get bought out, or did they go into to hard times? Are the Hard Rock still still viable in other locations around the country? That's a good question. Because I'm surprised to see that it it used to be the Hard Rock uh, Casino and Hotel. I thought they were thriving, but yeah, I, by I don't know. Off the Strip, it is off the Strip by a, uh, a, you know, a big block, yeah. essentially. Yeah. A block and a half, about. If you walk straight down, what is this street right here? Some, on... some street here I, that it's not. No, Harmon Avenue. If you walk straight west on Harmon Avenue, Michael, run right into the Aria. Yeah, some of the some of those places, you know, Disneyland, Las Vegas. Those are places that whether you're in shape or not, you just end up walking. You look at something, you go, "I'm going to go see that," and you mm-hmm. walk to it. And by the end of the day, you put in like twenty five thousand steps, uh, which you weren't prepared for. <laughs> my my friend Brady, who we've had on the show a couple of times to talk softball, he was at Disneyland yesterday. Or last couple of days, yeah. he went to the Star Wars thing, and then they went around the original Magic Kingdom too. Right. He averaged thirty-five thousand steps last two days. That's so a lot because a, I did a day that I thought was a killer day, mm-hmm. and it was twenty-three thousand steps. My first day, I, I went on a vacation to New York this uh, this past June, and the first day we did a lot of walking, and I did not even reach. 32,000. I did not reach 35,000 steps, and that's including staying out until 4 in the morning. Huh. Still did not hit that much. Huh. 
That's a lot of steps. Everything's, it is, it is, it is. Especially if you uh, weren't working up to that many steps. No, no. Your feet hurt when you're done. All right. Now, thanks to, to Mike for chiming in. We've got uh, this second half hour to, to talk about it. If uh, you've got anything to say on the text line or on the phone line, give us a call or write us a text. It's the University Honda text line, 541-497-5356. And the Downward Dog phone line, Dave, I don't know if you're available. Who Anybody, call in. Let us uh, know what you think about the game coming up and uh, uh, the bowl game situation. It's one of seven bowl games this Saturday. And anything college football, anything sports-wise involving Oregon State, 541-497-5356. There's a, a call right there. I'll get it right now. We'll be right back on 1240 Joe Radio. Weddings, anniversaries, holiday parties, corporate events, large or small, make them spectacular with Forks and Corks Catering. From delicious bites to signature cocktails, they'll ensure an experience that is a delight for you and your guests. With their fresh cuisine, artful presentation, and polished service, Forks and Corks always creates a spectacular symphony of sensory delight. View their menu and list of venues online. Forks and Corks Catering, events designed to delight. Catering to the Willamette Valley since 2011. Flanagan Sports is fully stocked and ready for holiday gift giving. Skis, snowboards, ski accessories, disc golf, fitness equipment, football, soccer, golf, and much more. And Play It Again Sports wants to buy your used athletic equipment. Whatever you have, bring it in now for some extra holiday cash. Buy, sell, trade, or consign. Stop by and shop local at Play It Again Sports. On 9th Street in Corvallis, the affordable way to play. In sports, it's important to have a talented starting lineup. The same is true if you need some advice with personal or business tax planning or just some help with strategy. See the starting lineup at Tax and Wealth Management, David Mendenhall, Bill Heck, or Robert Berry. They have the experience you need to successfully execute the game plan every time. They'd also like to take this moment to wish all of their clients and friends a very safe and joyous holiday season. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year from Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis, your hometown tax team. What's your power like today? Are you driving a powerful vehicle or are you just getting there? Fall and winter is coming and Power Honda in Albany has the CRV, Pilot, HRV, Odyssey, Passport SUVs, Ridgeline trucks, and over a thousand pre-owned vehicles to choose from to help you get to where you're going this fall and winter. So come, experience the power at Power Honda in Albany or go to mypowerhonda.com. A lot of land comes with a lot of work, and the new Kubota MX Series has a lot to offer, including the versatility to mow, move bales of hay, grade roads, and clear brush and snow. The new Kubota MX Series is rated number one in durability and owner experience. Visit Lynn Benton Tractor in Tangent or go to lynnbentontractor.com. All right, TJ, as we continue here okay, on Jonathan. today's edition of the Joe Beaver Show. When's the last time someone called you Jonathan on the show? Uh, on the show, not ever, or very close to not ever. Wow. But, uh, oh, you know, when I talk to my mom or my dad or my sister, it's always my sister. 
Uh, and you know you're in trouble when all three of your names get get spoken. Mm, I cannot remember the last time that happened to me. But that's a I can relate. Thing. I can relate. If As, the spouse says your all three names, you're not necessarily in that much of trouble. It, and you figure you might be able to, to, to talk your way out of that one. But if your mom calls you all three names, you're in trouble. Right. Now, being one of seven kids, the funny thing when I was growing up is my parents wouldn't yell at us or get mad and call us by all three names to exert their dominance. They would they would try to they couldn't think of who they were mad at. And so their brain would go through the entire list of names until they got to you. Mm-hmm. All the, each kid, and then finally they come to my name and call me by the full name, and then uh, I'm in trouble big time. But anyway, Theodore, thanks for asking. Let's go, <laughs> okay. let's go to the <laughs> phone lines, and uh, Dave from up north is joining us. Dave, how are you today? Pretty good, uh, John and TJ. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, uh if you guys are open for more dialogue about Mike Leach, I, I'm ready. Uh, I, I was able to make it on the Mad Dog show yesterday um, to uh, talk briefly. I knew he wanted to talk about Leach because I called in, spoke to his producer. I went on hold. They went to commercial. I came. They came out of break, and Chris went right to my call. So. I knew I know I jumped ahead of eight guys, so he was eager to talk about uh, talk about that. But I wanted to, um, you guys. By, by the way, unless anyone else calls in, you guys can just ease back, and <laughs> and I'll, I'll regale you for the uh-huh. next twenty twenty five minutes. Of, no, I'm just. You, <laughs> hey, you, you know. know. And, and, and by the way, John, I just want to clarify. Yesterday, yeah. I, I feel like I need to do this, but both because you're going to be in that role. Saturday, and because Ron actually does a great job as a sideline reporter. Yeah. And I watch him when I'm at games at research. I was always working the sideline. And my, my brief was just that that coach interview exiting the field at halftime, mm-hmm. I think, is a useless mechanism. And I know there's every, everyone's got a reason for doing it, but, but, but it's just limited to that. There's a role for the sideline people. But I wanted to go in Dave, Dave bit. before you go to that point, if we're, we're speaking about Mike Leach, I watched a video yesterday of, of just putting your point to that specifically perfectly. So the sideline reporter goes to Leach as he's walking off into the tunnel. She's like, oh, coach, how, how, uh, what what'd you think of that first half? And he's like, well, I don't know. What did you think of that first half? I trust you to give your unfiltered opinion on what happened in that first half, and I think that'll suffice. Thank you. I would give it to to him, by the way, Dave. You know me. Uh, okay, go ahead. Sorry. Well, and that's that's emblematic of Leach's personality. I mean, he was genuinely inquisitive, and he, and yes, with an offbeat tangent with pirates and Bigfoot and whatnot. But I saw somewhere. <laughs> Along, he he would he said rather than talking about football, I'd like to know the answer to this question: On what does a bald man put on his driver's license for the color of his hair? I mean that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's <laughs> I mean that's that's genuinely funny, and in fact it is. I mean it's not a deep philosophical tangent, but it does kind of uh, what do you put down in that case? Or he said. We all know what the speed of sound is. He says, what's the speed of smell? Now, again, that's kind of offbeat, a little, a little idiosyncratic, but how fast does a... I mean, that's an interesting 
a thing to ponder. How fast does smell travel <laughs> across space? But what I really wanted to dwell on was uh, the, the, the way things played out down in Texas Tech, because that did so much to influence his career trajectory. And, uh, and, and that's what I talked about with a little bit with Russo, too. And he had, apparently in the first hour, Russo had uh, Hal Mummy, who was Leach's coach right. at Kentucky when, when, when Mike was there. But, I mean, just because I, I, everything is filtered, a lot of people's impressions of Leach are filtered through what I would maintain are misimpressions of what went down in, at Texas Tech. And just to, for a couple of instances, because it involves Craig James's son. Did. Everyone who was associated with athletics at Texas Tech maintains that Adam James, first of all, he, 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 got, he got run out of the baseball program at Texas Tech because of a sense of entitlement and a lack of effort. His position coaches, and by the way, none of the position coaches at Texas Tech wanted to recruit Adam Jones, James, because they thought he was a problem to begin with. It was Leach who said, well, let's give the guy a chance. Mm. Of course, that came, came back to bite him. He was a malingerer. His position coach at the time was no less a figure than Lincoln Riley, who went on the record publicly to say when this all went down with Leach, in December of 2010 or 2011, that this guy was a problem. He was always feigning injury. He never, he never made an effort. Uh, he, he was always, he, he, he would work out in the, in the weight room. He had a sense of entitlement. Dana Holgerson, who was also, now also became a head coach in his own right at West Virginia, now someplace else. He went on record saying this kid was a real problem. And the specific incident, he, he said he felt concussed. And Leach said to him, well, go find someplace that's dark so that, you know, you don't. And so it was Jones, Jay, I keep saying Jay Jones. Yeah. It was Adam Jones himself who went to an electrical shed, took a video of himself as a joke, and was never intended to be taken seriously. But James's old man, Craig James, part of the old Pony Express, right. he was the problem. And that guy got fired. From every job he had in media, he got fired by ESPN. He got fired by ABC. He got fired by Fox. It was the old man who was always complaining to Leach. You know, my kid's not getting enough playing time. Yeah. Why is he in the right, right or wrong position? It was the old man that was the problem. And unfortunately, the university caved to the, uh, to the pressure that's just simply the time we're in. Mike Leach got a raw deal, but he resurrected his career in Pullman, much to his credit. And we were fortunate, although it wasn't always the case, uh, as one might have taken the impression away from previous Joe Beaver shows, that we weren't fortunate to have Mike Leach in the region. He was a treasure. I agree. Here I, in the state of Washington, and he'll be sorely missed. I, I agree. I agree. Now, I have questions, and, and, and rapid fire. Sometimes this show is hard to do because I have so many questions, and people have long answers, and I'm not saying that's you. Um, it's, it's just different time so let me fire him away was he exonerated on that or did he just get fired but everybody else like you just described knew what the truth really was or was there any, are there any kind of official exoneration he filed suit he did not win his suit but he was i think he was exonerated in the court of public opinion yes but he did not win he did not win his suit against texas tech james did not 
No, Leach did not win. Oh, his Leach, suit. Leach filed suit. Okay, so he didn't win when that. He got, when, I, when he got fired by Texas Tech, uh, he did not win his suit, but I think he was exonerated in the court of public. Yeah, now, when that thing was going down, I didn't really want to pay attention to it because I don't like jurisprudence in sports. I just don't. I don't, I don't care about crime, and, and I don't even like to hear about how much money they're making. To me, it's all, you know, sticks and balls and X's and O's, if you know what I mean. I just I don't like I to follow it. So I, I agree with you, John. So yes, I, you. even though I paid, you know— you know, it's just kind of a slight peripheral attention to that to be on top of things a little bit. I didn't get into the weeds of it. So I'm learning right now that Leach said, well, go find a dark place because that's what we grew up thinking you need when you suffer a concussion. You need to be in a dark, quiet place to to help, you know, to help with it. And and he's on the field. He's practicing. There isn't anything he can do but right now, and he just tells them what we all grew up hearing from the medical industry. So that, to me, is, is interesting, new information on that. And I thought I had heard someone say yesterday, maybe it was on our show, but just off the cuff, that, oh, yeah, no, Leak was, or Leach was, um, you know, had, he went through that whole thing with, with uh, Craig James Kidd at, at, uh, at Texas Tech, but, you know, he... He, I can't remember what the, the person said, but it sounded like he said, you know, he got, got away from that. In other words, he didn't, get, he didn't get in trouble. He did get fired by the university. But we've learned that universities will just buckle to the pressure and fire people who have no business being fired. And I agree with you on that. that but I always wondered in the back of my mind, half not caring, what was the legal ramifications of all of that? And so you filled in the blanks for me. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, well, and, and in fact, John, uh, just to go to another one of my favorite episodes through the years, we have to look no further than the sad, tragic, it, it's it, to some degree pathetic treatment that Luke Heimlich suffered hmm. uh, here four or five years ago to see how once a, once a item, once a problem, once an issue gets into that level of scrutiny, there's very little, there's very there's Finding a resolute administrator to deal with those issues, it could be like Diogenes looking for the honest man. Uh, it, it, could be a, it could be a long yeah. search. And so we don't have to go very far to see how once an incident gets into that realm of social media scrutiny, uh, too many administrators head for the hills rather than stand up for what's right. Yeah. I agree with you that the halftime interview is something that uh, a fan might think is ridiculous. I'm not a big fan of it. I don't like executing it, never have, because I know that that coach does not want to be interviewed. And the last time I did Sideline was three years ago down in Eugene, and Jonathan Smith's a great guy. Where I made the mistake was, I went to the wrong tunnel. I started to kind of creep down the sideline thinking, I'll get ahead of this, and I'll head him off. And then when the clock started going, and then they started going the opposite direction, I had to sprint up there to find him. And by the time he got around the tunnel at the end line is when I could uh, ask him the questions. And, and he was great. It was easy to do. But, uh, no, those aren't fun things to do. Just, you know, just look at uh, um, uh, who was the guy that wore the, the the suits that were wild and always dealt with uh, uh, Jack um, Root. No, it was another guy who passed passed away actually because of cancer. I know. Anyway, he did a good job with Popovich, but there are others. And and you know, for Saturday, I'll have to wait in line because Laura Rutledge will be able to go first with ESPN, and then it'll be. So I'll just go where she is and stand there and wait. That's how that works. We didn't have. By the way, John, I meant I complimented you yesterday. 
uh, and getting the plug in. <laughs> that was that was nice finesse, and the way you kind of rankled the technology to get the call in. But the way you got her to commit in public to do, going on air with you was just masterful, John. So uh, you had a nice you. show yesterday. So I, I just I just want to throw a, a couple of bouquets in your direction. But uh, anyway, thanks for taking oh, my call. I'll be looking for you from the 300 level, right about the 40-yard okay. line. I'll be looking for you on the Oregon State sideline. I'll be looking for you from up high. Thank you, Dave. Thanks for uh, coming on. I just took a call there. I was listening to you in one ear and the he's, call in the other. going to be looking for you. Who said that... Um, that there was a contract extension deal that he thought Texas Tech used the leech problem to get out of the extension that didn't want to give it to him and and went the easy route, which a lot of that people is, do. That, that's a, that that I didn't want, I wasn't sure how deep you wanted to go into all of that, but yes, the university used this trumped up thing incident yeah. by James's old man as an excuse to get rid of leech and go in a different direction. Of course, they've rarely been as successful. Uh, mm-hmm. As uh, as they were when Mike was coach, where Dana Holgerson, Beach, and Lincoln Riley, that kids' coaches have all been eminently successful. So who do you trust in that situation? Exactly. Thanks, Dave. We'll talk to you later. Take care. Talk to you on Monday. In fact, next week. Craig Sager, I it was Craig literally. Sager. That's right. You could see his face. Yeah, he he's passed, but uh, uh, he he could he could deal with Popovich. Yeah. <laughs> And Popovich would like he'd he'd start leading into the question, and Popovich is like fooling around with his uh, yeah. his pocket squares. Like, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> you know, for a cantankerous person, if they're doing that kind of thing, you know it's okay. You know it's right, cool. Right. It's the ones that don't look at you. They don't. I mean, you just you don't know what they're gonna do. They're like this, looking yeah. away while you're trying to talk to them. Just, it's like, mm, I think the most difficult interview would be if you had to do a one on one would be Belichick. Because uh, there isn't a soundbite out there that isn't him being just really, really grumpy and not caring, not want, even when he wins Super Bowls and they're interviewing him. He's mm-hmm. just, you know, he's uh, doesn't sound like a very happy person. No. I can't judge that, but on the surface, it looks no. like, man. I, just how some people are wired. You need to get out he's more. He's just, yeah. Well, he, I don't think he does. I think he just lives and <laughs> breathes in in the facility. Yeah. All right, let's take our final break, and then, again, take your phone calls or texts. There's a couple of texts here to get to. 541-497-5356, brought to you by University Honda and Downward Dog. This is the Joe Beaver Show on 1240 Joe Radio. It was a Sunday, and I had just sat down in the recliner with a bowl of chips to watch the big game when I heard a terrible sound. I hope you're not planning on sitting around the house all day. you got to get to work on this place. That game Game's just gonna have to wait. I would, but I don't have all the equipment. That's no excuse. You can rent everything at Philomath Rental, and since they're open on Sundays, you can go out there right now. Darn you, Philomath Rental. Open seven days a week. Philomath Rental, behind Landmark Realty, just a mile and a half west of the Sunset Shopping Center. Tools and equipment for your home, farm, and business. Why is Woodstock's Pizza all kinds of pizza for all kinds of people? Because no matter who you are or where you're from, you can create the perfect pizza at Woodstock's. So you can choose from over 35 fresh toppings, four made fresh daily crust options, several cheese options, including vegan and dairy-free, and six sauce options, including vegan and dairy-free, all to go along with your choice of dine-in, takeout, or delivery to most of Corvallis. So Woodstock's Pizza is all kinds of pizza for all kinds of people. Woodstock's Pizza, Kings Boulevard in Corvallis. 
Hey everyone, if you're looking for an appliance like a refrigerator or a freezer or dishwasher, cooking appliances, washers and dryers, or an appliance accessory, contact Kellenberger Appliance in Lebanon, the best place to buy appliances at 21 Main Street in Lebanon. They offer install and delivery on the product they sell like Whirlpool, Frigidaire, Maytag, Speed Queen. They even offer service on most major brands. Kellenberger Appliance at 21 Main Street in Lebanon and on the web at kellenbergers.com. Have you been putting off that remodeling project? Have you finally decided to take a leap and get it done? For over 30 years, people in the Mid-Valley have been going to Corvallis Floor Covering. Stop by and browse through their large showroom with a wide variety of carpet, countertops, wood and vinyl flooring, and window coverings from all the popular brands that you know, love, and gotta have. They're on the corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown, or log on to CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local, shop Corvallis Floor Covering, and go Beeves! Get a great deal on versatile Kubota equipment today, like Kubota BX and L-Series compact tractors. Part of Kubota's tractor lineup rated number one in durability and owner experience. Plus, C-Series mowers and sidekick utility vehicles. Stop by Lynn Benton Tractor today and bring home the Kubota L2501 tractor for $0 down, 0% APR, plus save up to $1,000 now through December 31st. See Lynn Benton Tractor and Tangent or go to KubotaUSA.com for more details. There you go. Okay, it's uh, uh, seven or eight minutes to go. Let's get to the text, University Honda text line. We have one person writing in to say, wish I could be there. Go Beavs. Yep, and thank you. You say you guys are more popular than what you realize. Okay. Um, Shane from Corvallis writes in to say, video, uh, what does it say? Video Shane from Corvallis. Not sure why the video's there. That. We're hoping the bees play well. Uh, sure, uh, yeah, I sure hope the bees uh, show up and play well, but I am so excited to see the beavers get it there all. Absolutely, Shane. Good job. Curtis writes in, did you, uh, okay, da 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 Oh, that was Curtis. Okay, sorry. Curtis on the first one that I read. Thank you, Curtis. Amy, poor Mike, no coffee. It's a work trip. Doesn't he get a per diem? I assume so. Yes. But I'm on the strip, it is very easy to burn get a through all of it. And I can tell you it's not it doesn't cover it doesn't cover things. It, and it doesn't cover things that are pricier now than it than they were. Right. And everything on the strip is artificially inflated because it's on the strip. Oh yeah. Outside of a, a handful of places. Yeah. She goes on to write about Mike Leach that no one on the show has mentioned is his pattern of the way he treated his players. He had issues at Texas Tech and had players at Washington State and Mississippi State publicly saying they weren't treated well, and players left both Wazoo and Mississippi State because of it. That's absolutely true. I think we did we did acknowledge uh, that. This behavior should be mentioned along with his football genius and quirky sense of humor. I think we absolutely— Well, for, for a couple of things, a couple of things right. here. Uh, who is this, Amy? When someone passes, it's it's not cool to talk about the things you didn't like about him. Right. So yesterday was more of a talking about the things that were good about him. Because Mike and I have gone mm-hmm. on the record of saying, I don't like that. I don't like what I heard. We'll hear a story mm-hmm. about what he said to a certain player or how he treated his line group or mm-hmm. something, some story about what Amy's talking about. And Amy, right. you're not wrong. Right. And say openly, that's not right. I don't like him. But then the next day you hear him do something fun and nice for someone. And that's up and down. And I think that's part of the human 
condition. Right. It, I don't ever hear of I, – I didn't hear too many stories, any stories really, about him being just the worst, evil, most horrible play, coach to play for. So that's one extreme on one end. Right. And never heard that he's the greatest thing since sliced bread from a player on the other end. It's right. somewhere in the middle. Right. He also, and I've been on teams, you have, and, and a lot of people have, and I've seen, I have seen coaches that are, are polarizing and they're difficult, and I've seen two ways to react to that kind of coaching. Right. Absolutely. They changed my life. They taught me things that I can use in the rest of my life. I'm Mm -hmm. a better person for having played for said coach. The other side, same coach, same atmosphere, same everything. I hated that guy. I'm still upset by him 30 years later. And if I go to a reunion and see him, I'm going to punch him. I've seen both for the same coach. I've seen it over and over and over again. So maybe there's a little bit of that in there. But, Amy, I'm not saying you're wrong. You are correct. In fact, most recently, one of the uh, players put on Twitter. Last week, yeah, Yeah. last week, a a player on his transfer portal uh, announcing he's going to the portal says, in quote, in his graphic, Mike Leach said, I'm not tough and I'm not wanted here. Yeah. It it literally said that. We talked about it. It's like, well... (laughs) That's one way to go about it. Yeah, so uh, absolutely. So no, no doubt, Amy, you're right about that. That he, in some cases, didn't play treat players very well. But you'd have to really know. We all would mm-hmm. have to really know the situation to to make a judgment on that. Right. And again, I'm not saying that he's clean in that regard. No. But I think the good outweighed the bad mm-hmm. with him. And one thing I learned was just how many friends he had in the coaching industry. Mm-hmm. And like Whittingham and and Leach, he you know were like really good friends and yeah his impact on the game that we're, we're especially with Alex Brink yeah. yesterday I mean just all the little things I mean that is as big as you know his coaching tree or anything the fingerprints of him on the game of football and just how unique of a story it is he didn't play football he didn't. Yeah. He played rugby. He went to law school. He wrote a book. And he's he's an odd bird. Honestly, you, you some professional might see that guy and see the way he he acts towards people and think he's on the spectrum or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, he really had quirkiness about him like that. I think the closest thing that that I've heard today or yesterday about him, Mike Parker mentioned that those those halftime interviews where he's running and he doesn't really want to deal with the reporter. I think Mike's right. He's not wired to do things for 30 seconds. He's wired to do things for really long amounts of time. Mm-hmm. So he would kind of short circuit when he has to answer two questions in 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. I can totally see that. Um, who, what was the next one? Alex from Grant's Pass. John, you're thinking of Craig Sager. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Alex. And by the way, thanks for listening all the way down there. Uh, how about Chip Kelly? Somebody wrote in. Yeah, I saw one where... Um, I saw one where Chip Kelly was answering a question of an ESPN or an ABC uh, sideline reporter. It was before the game, so the hype of the game's going crazy. He's in the they're in the end zone by the student section at Autzen. But the, the, the gal, I don't remember who it was, she went really long with her question, and it was really loud. The band was playing, the, the, the students were screaming and 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 she just asked a really long question. And Chip leaned in, so you got this look like he was listening to the whole thing and after she finished and it was an uncomfortably long question he goes huh <laughs> <laughs> and she had to do it all over again and you know what that's on her that it is and it really flusters you if you're trying to interview a high profile coach and get a question in and he's like i 
I can't hear you. You're running out of time, and you're you're scrambling. You're like, oh, I got to get that question in now. Yeah, no doubt. Let me get this through this real quick. Hey guys, any word regarding the fallout concerning the ducks, uh, the duck who hit the Beaver fan after the football game? Landing made a comment on it. The last mm-hmm. thing I read was that uh, he is off the team, not he's kicked off the in team, the but portal. leaving. Yeah, yeah he's he went in to the, the transfer portal. And I don't think there was any disciplinary action, if you're asking about that. But that is a good question. Omar Spates said that he's considering being coming back because he wants to break Trent Bray's tackling record. That's good news. I read that article. Really good article. Um, thanks, uh, Phil. And this last one. Someday we need to hear you guys ask Coach Smith about his grandma and how he came to Oregon State. If we had time for that kind of thing, absolutely, that's a great question. I'm out. Five seconds left. Thanks, TJ. You're going tomorrow. Talk to you from Vegas. K-E-J-O Corvallis. And translator, K-229-D-I Corvallis. The home of the Beavers. 1240 Joe Radio.